Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, and I'm reading today from a book, and it's called The Private Key to Heaven, written by Thomas Brooks, who lived from 1608 to 1680. He was the English nonconformist preacher and writer. He's been trying to give us 20 arguments for private prayer. Nothing wrong with public prayer, of course, from time to time, but our mainstay is private prayer, and he's giving us reasons for it. Reason number 13, the Christians meet and drink. Consider that in times of great straits and trials, in times of great afflictions and persecutions, private prayer is the Christians meet and drink. It is his chief city of refuge. It is his shelter and hiding place in a stormy day. When the saints have been driven by violent persecutions into holes and caves and dens and deserts and howling wildernesses, private prayer has been their meat and drink, and under Christ their only refuge. When Esau came forth with hostile intentions against Jacob, secret prayer was Jacob's refuge. Quote, and the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to thy brother Esau. And also he cometh to meet thee, and four hundred men with him. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that was with him, and the flocks and herds and the camels into two bands, and said, If Esau come to the one company and smite it, then the other company which is left shall escape. When all is at stake, it is Christian prudence to save what we can, though we cannot save what we would. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which said to me, Return to your country and to your kindred, and I will deal well with you. Promises in private must be prayed over. God loves to be sued upon his own bond when he and his people are alone. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. Or upon the children, meaning he will put all to death. Some look upon the words to be a metaphor taken from fowlers who kill and take away the young birds and the dams together, contrary to that old law in Deuteronomy 22. Others say it is a phrase that does most lively represent the tenderness of a mother who, seeing her children in distress, spares not her own body nor life to hazard the same for her children's preservation by interposing herself, even to be massacred together with and upon them. When Jacob and all that was near and dear unto him was in eminent danger of being cut off by Esau and those men of blood that were with him, he betakes himself to private prayer as his only city of refuge against the rage and malice of the mighty. And so when Jeremiah was in a solitary and loathsome dungeon, private prayer was his meat and drink. It was his only city of refuge. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the second time, it says, while he was yet shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it, to establish it. The Lord is his name. Call upon me. And I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty or hidden things which thou knowest not. When Jeremiah was in a lonesome, loathsome prison, 
God encourages him by private prayer to seek for further discoveries and revelations of those choice and singular favors which in future times he proposed to confer upon his people. Wherefore the Lord brought upon them the captains of the host of the king of Assyria, which took Manasseh among the thorns, and bound him with fetters or chains, carried him to Babylon. And when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God, and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers, and prayed unto him. And he was entreated of him, and heard his supplication, and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. When Manasseh was in chains in his enemy's country, when he was stripped of all his princely glory and led captive into Babylon, he betakes himself to private prayer as his only city of refuge, and by this means he prevails with God for his restoration to his crown and kingdom. Private prayer is a city of refuge that no power, nor policy, no craft, nor cruelty, no violence, nor force is ever able to surprise. Though the joint prayers of the people of God together were often obstructed and hindered in the times of the ten persecutions, yet they were never able to obstruct or hinder secret prayer, private prayer. When men and devils have done their worst, every Christian will be able to maintain his private trade with heaven. Private prayer will shelter a Christian against all the national, domestical, and personal storms and tempests that may threaten him. When a man is lying upon a sickbed alone, or when a man is in prison alone, or when a man is with Job left upon the dunghill alone, or when a man is with John banished for the testimony of Jesus into this or that island alone, oh, then private prayer will be his meat and drink, his shelter, his hiding place, his heaven. When all other trades fail, this trade of private prayer will hold good. Number 14, the omnipresence of God. Fourteenthly, consider that God is omnipresent. We cannot get into any blind hole, dark corner, or secret place, but the Lord has an eye there. The Lord will keep us company there. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. There is not the darkest, dirtiest hole in the world into which a saint creeps, but God hath a favorable eye there. God never lacks an eye to see our secret tears, nor an ear to hear our secret cries and groans, nor a heart to grant our secret requests. Therefore we ought to pour out our souls to him in secret. Psalm 38, 9, Lord, all my desire is before thee, and my groaning is not hid from thee. Though our private desires are never so confused, though our private requests are never so broken, and though our private groanings are never so much hidden from men, yet God eyes them all. God records them all, and God puts them all upon the file of heaven, and will one day crown them with glorious answers and returns. We cannot sigh out a prayer in secret without him seeing us. We cannot lift up our eyes to him at midnight without him observing us. The eye that God has upon his people when they are in secret is such a special, tender eye of love as opens his ear, his heart, and his hand for their good. 
For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. Or as the Greek has it, his ears are unto their prayers. If their prayers are so faint that they cannot reach up as high as heaven, then God will bow the heavens and come down to their prayers. God's eye is upon every secret sigh and every secret groan and every secret tear, every secret desire, every secret pant of love and breathing of soul and melting and working of heart. All which should encourage us to be much in secret duties, in closet services. As a Christian is never out of the reach of God's hand, so he is never out of the view of God's eye. If a Christian cannot hide himself from the sun, which is God's minister of light, how impossible will it be to hide himself from him whose eyes are 10,000 times brighter than the sun? In every private duty, a Christian is still under the eye of God's omniscience. When we are in the darkest hole, God hath windows into our breasts and observes all the secret actings of our inward man. The eye of God is not confined to this place or that, to this company or that. God has an eye upon his people as well when they are alone as when they are among a multitude, as well when they are in a corner as when they are in a crowd. Diana's temple was burnt down when she was busy at Alexander's birth and could not be at two places together. But God is present both in paradise and in the wilderness, both in the family and in the closet, both in public and in private at the same time. God is an omnipresent God. He is everywhere. There is nowhere where God is not. As he is included in no place, so he is excluded from no place. Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good, contemplating the evil and the good, as the Hebrew may be read. Now, to contemplate is more than simply to behold, for contemplation adds to a simple apprehension a deeper degree of knowledge, entering into the very inside of a matter. And so indeed does God discern the very inward intentions of the heart and the most secret motions of the spirit, God is an infinite and immense being whose center is everywhere and whose circumference is nowhere. Now, if our God be omnipresent, then wheresoever we are, our God is present with us. If we are in prison alone with Joseph, our God is present with us there. Or if we are in exile alone with David, our God is present with us there. Or if we are alone in our closets, our God is present with us there. God seeth us in secret, and therefore let us seek his face in secret. Though heaven be God's palace, yet it is not his prison. Amen. Amen. Well said, Thomas Brooks. Thank you for listening. Please look around the site. We have over 3,000 audios featuring some of the church's great preachers, persecution stories from North Korea in English and Korean, Bible studies on a number of subjects, and a blog. If you desire more fellowship than that, please consider buying one of my books at Amazon.com or contact me at bob.j.faulkner.72 at gmail.com 
I'll share details of our Saturday evening Zoom meeting for men and our Tuesday noon meeting for women. Well, this is the Hackberry House of Chosun. This audio is being released on the 17th day of February, 2023. Lord willing, we'll get to talk again real soon. Bye-bye.